Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the jazz session. I'm Jason Crane. The jazz session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is also available for free in iTunes and at thejazzsession.com, where you'll also find links to purchase the music you hear on the show and a donate button, just in case you'd like to give something back. My guest today is Suna Gunlugs, whose name I may have just murdered. <laughs> I apologize, Suna. I'm trying. Um, she is a pianist from Iceland, and she's got a new record out called The Dream, which is funded in part, as is the tour that starts uh, tomorrow, if you're listening to this live, uh, is funded in part by donations through the Kickstarter website, and Suna will tell you more about that in the interview. Uh, for the moment, though, here is the title track from her brand new record, The Dream. My guest is, and I'm going to go for it, and uh, Suna, you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to try Suna Gunlugs. Is that close at all? That's very close. All right. Uh, that is going to be close enough for not speaking any Icelandic whatsoever. Uh, she and I uh, got to know each other on Twitter, which seems to be much more common these days, uh, and is a great way for, for musicians to network. And Suna is doing something very cool, which is um, releasing an album that is, and, and a tour that is partly fueled by fans of her music. So first of all, Suna, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on the new record. Thank you. And uh, I thought we'd maybe start right off. Would you tell folks uh, who's in the band? It's a really fantastic band that you've put together for this album. Yeah, the band on the record is uh, Lauren Stillman on saxophone, Ivan Opsuk on bass, and Scott McLemore on drums. But on these uh, upcoming gigs, Ivan couldn't be with us, uh, so we have Dan Fabricator playing bass. That's fantastic, and uh, I was particularly interested in the way that you're that you're funding the tour, and in the way that the album is really involving 
fans, which is something that I think more and more jazz musicians are finding useful these days. Will you talk about Kickstarter and the particular method that you're using to get your uh, fans involved in the music? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I've been hearing about these ideas of microfunding for a while, and I've sort of been wanting to do something like that because, um, as you know, uh, releasing a CD, like the initial cost and putting the tour together, it's expensive, you know, so... I thought this would be a, a great, great idea, a great opportunity um, to um, try to get, yeah, fans and supporters involved in the project before, like in the CD before it's actually released. So I set up this page on Kickstarter where people could, it's basically pre-ordering the CD and uh, or pledging, you know, to uh, pledging a certain amount, and getting um, certain rewards. Instead, like the CD, autograph CD, and the more you pay, like the more rewards you would get, you know, like an iPod Nano or or various things like that. And uh, and then there would be a part of this, uh, the progress of, of getting the CD out and promoting it. And uh, it's been a very exciting uh, project. Can you talk about what the response has been like since you've been uh, telling folks? I've seen you, you know, do, doing that quite a bit on on Twitter and Facebook and other places. Uh, what's the response been like? Oh, great! I've just been amazed by the support. You know, like even people that uh, aren't necessarily interested in jazz, you know, they just want to support me, so they help spread the news and uh, let other people know about it. If they think that they, you know, know somebody that would be interested in the music, they let them know about it. And uh, people have been really really generous and, and helpful on Twitter especially, um, just retweeting my uh, announcements and, uh, and you know, sending me comments. And it's really, um, that's so nice, you know, when you're, especially when I'm in Iceland, I feel a little bit isolated from the rest of the world. But doing something like this and uh, gets me in touch with people in other countries. Yeah, I think that's a great point because, um, you know, of course, folks who know who you are know that you're in Iceland, but kind of on, on Twitter and on Facebook and online, everyone is everywhere. And so yeah. it's it, in many ways the, the jazz community is kind of uh, irrespective of geography, which is, seems pretty exciting. Yeah, totally. It's a great thing. Thank you. 
I don't know anything about Iceland except how to spell it, and uh, and apparently that it has volcanoes. So can you um, talk a little bit about whether there is uh, public or state support for the arts? Does does that help mm-hmm. folks like you record albums and things like that? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, state support. Um, you can uh, there's several grants you can apply for or one can apply for um, to do various projects, you know, concerts, even you can get an artist's salary to just write music for three or six months or something like that. And um, they even have a, a special government office called Iceland Music Export. And that is specifically to help musicians get their music uh, to other countries, and help you perform, you know. Were you able to make use of any of those uh, state-sponsored programs in the recording or performance of this record? Actually, I did. Last year, when I recorded the album in New York, I got some. Uh, I got a grant to uh, to pay for part of the recording, but also we get what's called the Air Bridge, um, so that we don't have to pay. We can fly basically free from Iceland to the states with Iceland Air, as long as we have a performance. So I got wow. that last year, and I got that again this year. That's that's just a tremendous help. Yeah, that's just like the American scene, except different in every way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want folks to know more about you. I know that um, when you were a kid, you started out playing organ until you realized that people could play all kinds of music on the piano and uh, not just the serious music that you often heard. And um, I I hope you will tell folks about um, how your interest in jazz began and then uh, your experience at at William Patterson and thereafter in the New York area. Mm -hmm. Well, I think uh, I got into jazz from uh, listening to Cool and the Gang. I know that sounds kind of strange, but uh, I had this video of them uh, where in the middle they had this section where they talked about their um, heroes, musical heroes, and mentioning, you know, Duke Ellington and Count Basie. So, I, you know, I got curious about who are those guys and, and started checking it out and then uh, listening to uh, Quincy Jones records with Herbie Hancock on piano. So we just sort of, uh, you know, gradually... You know, from Cool the Gang, I think it got a little bit into fusion and eventually into acoustic jazz. And then I never really thought that I would become a professional pianist. But uh, so I was for a while trying to figure out what I wanted to do if I wanted to go into uh, um, like the university in Iceland and, and study something like all my friends were doing. And eventually, I just realized that 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 wasn't the right thing for me and. Uh, I decided to go to the States to study, and a teacher of mine in Iceland recommended William Patterson College as um, for being a small program with um, much focus on uh, on uh, performance. So I applied to that school and got accepted, and that's where I met my husband, and I met uh, Dan Fabricator, who's playing with us uh, on this tour. And uh, so after graduation, moved to New York, and because uh, I didn't really want to go right back to Iceland, I felt that um, New York offered such a great environment for a musician to grow and learn. I mean, even though I'd finished school, there was just so much more to learn, you know, and New York was just the, the best place, I think, to grow as a musician. 
It must have seemed like being a kid in a candy store when you first came to William Patterson, and, and there you are so close to New York City, and of course with the faculty at William Patterson and all the students. I mean, it, it must have been a much more intense jazz experience than was possible back home, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, totally. It was uh, it was quite a shock. I, I don't think I realized at the time, but later when I looked back, I was like, wow, you know, how did I keep my cool, really, you know? Because <laughs> suddenly there's just, like, everybody playing. That's maybe the good thing about William Patterson, that there wasn't really anything to do around there. So we would just end up playing and practicing all day, you know, and hang out at school in the, you know, practice rooms and, and talk about music. And then, of course, uh, you know, going into New York to uh, to hear music. I mean, that was great. And I had a, a student uh, loan from Iceland. <laughs> that covered my uh, monthly expenses, so I could afford to go to clubs like the Vanguard and Bradley's pretty often. And I thought Bradley's was awesome, you know, sitting just so close to the piano. So it was it doesn't exist anymore, but it was a really small piano bar, and we'd see Mulgrew Miller and Kenny Barron playing their solo piano or duo with the bassist. And uh, you know, you just I'd just sit up right up front, you know, I could touch the piano. At some point, you decided to to make a go of it back in Iceland. What can you talk about? Uh, what fueled that decision to return home? Well, I've been in the states for I think about twelve years, and uh, I wanted to have children, and I didn't have health insurance in New York, and I was just uh, I think desiring a little more quality of life, like just a different life, like more uh, I don't know, more. Uh, what should I say, like a bigger place and <laughs> all those uh, sort of uh, nice, I guess, nice things. You know, I had a really small place in New York, and and although living in New York, in New York was great, it was, a, it was always a, a struggle and really busy, you know. And I just wanted to have a little more relaxed life, so uh, me and my husband decided to move to Iceland, and we have two children now, and... And, and life is great because we can go back to the States and, and play with, you know, the, the people that we used to play with before we moved. What's it been like uh, making a living as a musician in Iceland? It's much easier. I think both because of uh, 
the school system there, there's there's a lot of music schools, and and it's really uh, common that children are, p- are put in music schools to you know study something, some instrument. So uh, we both have a, a partial position as teachers, and then you know with the government support for the music and, and the grant system, it makes it possible for us to you know write music and uh, and perform. Both, you know, we both perform in, in, of course, in the various um, situations, like both doing original music and also displaying, um, you know, parties and, and weddings and things like that. And then, um, you know, we try to, especially now that the girls are a little bit older, they're two and five, I feel like it's easier for me now to go on tour and be away for a little while. You just mentioned uh, performing original music, and that's one thing I want to talk about and, and come back to this new album, The Dream, but also the records that preceded it. You made a decision very early on to focus on your own compositions. Will you talk about that decision? Yeah. I don't know if it was really a... Maybe it was a decision. I don't know. I remember uh, when I was at school, and uh, guitarist Kenny Burrell came, and uh, he supped for Rufus Reed one year as a director of the program. And I remember him talking to me once saying, like, you know, eventually you're going to find your own voice and you're going to draw from your Icelandic heritage and, and do your own thing. And at the time, I was just looking at him like, what is he talking about? I just <laughs> I had no idea. I'm like, I don't know what this guy is saying, you know. And then, you know, I moved to New York. And it was sort of like, I, I felt like in New York that if you wanted to uh, do something, like you had to do your own thing. You know, there's so many musicians in New York. You have to find your own voice. You have to somehow be different than other people. It wasn't enough just to, uh, just for me, just to be playing standards. And uh, so I just started trying to play music. Uh, sorry, trying to uh, write music, and it came pretty easily. So I just sort of uh, started going into that direction, and maybe because a lot of the people around me where I lived. We're doing that. I think you just, uh, you know, you get influenced so much by uh, your environment, the people around you, your peers, and everybody's writing music. When they would come over to do a session, they would bring a tune that they just wrote yesterday or something. Can we try it out? So it was uh, contagious, I guess. So I just started, you know, doing my own music, and and that felt um, somehow right, I guess.
And it it turns out that uh, that he was being prophetic. I mean, your your last album, for example, Songs from Iceland, mm-hmm. uh, did draw uh, as its entire source material from Icelandic. Yeah, folk totally. Songs. <laughs> Uh, is there um, are there particular qualities to Icelandic the, the Icelandic folk music that you've used uh, for some of your compositions that uh, differentiate it from the folk musics of other places? Things you could describe to us. I know it's hard to, to talk about yeah. music sometimes. Well, I think it's maybe uh, it's not something that I'm so aware of when I'm writing the music. The music just kind of happens, but other people have described it as having a narrative. In narrative and narrative elements. narrative elements yeah narrative sure. element and uh, very sort of catchy singable melodies I mean I think I think that's maybe what's common with most folk music but for some reason it uh, seems to uh, find its way into uh, Scandinavian jazz more than it does in other countries I don't know if that makes sense yeah, yeah I think it does. I've been, uh, I've had, uh, th- thanks to you, a sneak peek at uh, at the dream these last several days, and have been really enjoying it. And uh, I wonder, is there, uh, is there some sort of um, maybe compositional theme or some goal that you had in the recording of this album uh, that that might tie it together as a project? No, I, mean, I, th- I think I just, uh, when I was picking the material for the record, I just tried to, uh, you know, choose the compositions that I felt were right for the band. And, and good as a together, you know, as a group, and uh, and then we added the uh, improvised improvised pieces. There are five really short pieces that are just totally improvised in the studio. But I think this record it's a little different from my other albums in the sense that uh, I think it um, goes more into the direction of. Uh, Sort of exploratory improvisation, a little more freer maybe than the previous albums. And is that something you've been doing in performance, and now you're bringing it into the studio too, or is it completely a new direction for you? I've done it a little bit. There was a, there was one tune that that's on my album uh, Live in Europe, which is a, uh, it's based on the twelve tone row, and uh, so there's a melody. And then the uh, there's no harmony to it, so the improvised improvised section is totally free, and we um, would play that tune on every concert for quite some time. So uh, so that's where that started coming into I guess my repertoire of just playing free in concert, and um, I mean I liked it, so it's something that uh, I thought was the right time to to bring uh, into the recording studio at this time. In a tune with no fixed harmony, how does that change your role as a piano player, which obviously is often to provide the harmonic structure? How does that change how you how you perform a, a tune like that? Well, yeah, you don't have a chords to hang on to, so uh, I guess the uh, yeah maybe become more rhythmic or just uh, you really have to listen intensely to what's going on when you're playing free so that you can uh, uh, like I say you can't just hang on to this chord oh there's a C minor coming up you know you can't be thinking like that you know you just have to sort of constantly be listening to where the soloist is going or what other band members are playing 
and trying to uh, react and respond to what's happening. So it's both, uh, I think it's uh, it's so open that it almost becomes intimidating sometimes. Yeah, I, I could completely understand that. And I wonder, um, do you find, for example, that maybe you rely more on single note lines, for example, given that that you don't really you're not really bound by a harmonic structure that it it kind of yeah forces... in my improvisation you mean sure yeah um yeah I think so I mean single note lines in improvisation but yeah also uh, you just sometimes you just find uh, even though there's no set harmony you'll find um, a chord or something every now and then that just seems to be right for the moment and. Uh, and, and play on that and, and then leave it, you know. And so the left hand is still involved in uh, in comping. You know, but it's just, uh, it, it could go anywhere, you know. It's completely open. Yeah. This um, this show is coming out on the 14th, and so um, folks, if uh, they're listening on the day that it comes out, your tour of the U.S. starts tomorrow um, in Columbia, Maryland on June 15th. Uh, will you talk about the tour and some of the places that you're going? Yeah, um, in Colombia, I'm playing uh, with a, I'm playing a duo concert with another pianist, Alan Blackman, and that's going to be the first time I play uh, with another pianist. Oh wow! <laughs> I think yeah. Well, I once played uh, last year at the Reykjavik Jazz Festival. I, I played with three other pianists or four other pianists. I think it was total five pianists and two pianos, but. Uh, this would be the first time I play uh, in a duo setting with another pianist, so that's going to be really exciting. And uh, we're going to get together that day to uh, work out some material and see what fits for us. And um, and then on the 17th, uh, that's the first concert for the quartet. We're going to play in Baltimore at Andy Musique. And so that is um, that's kind of the CD release party, I guess. And uh, after that, we'll play... Uh, in New Jersey at Trumpets in Montclair. That's on the 18th. And unfortunately, Lauren can't be with us that night, so we'll just be trio with Scott and Dan. And then we head up to Connecticut on, that will be Saturday, and we play at the Buttonwood Tree in Middletown, and then the following day at the Lilypad in Boston. And that will be the last concert of that tour. We have another gig in Virginia. I think it's the 28th in Richmond at the Camel, and that's with uh, two local um, musicians from there. It will be Scott on drums and me on piano, and then uh, bassist and uh, uh, saxophone player from Richmond. Well, that's great. And uh, if folks couldn't uh, remember all that or write it down, if you go to the show notes at thejazzsession.com, there'll be a link to uh, Suna's page. And if you just click on shows on her website, it has a her itinerary for the U.S. tour. And I encourage you to go out and uh, and support this great music. Suna, it's it's been really fun uh, talking to you and, and great to listen to this and your previous albums and uh, and also to listen to Scott's work. Um, I remember uh, hearing in the, about the middle of last year a performance um, of a love supreme his trio did that really blew me away. That's very, right. very tough music to tackle, and I thought they yeah. uh, did an amazing job. So uh, congratulations to uh, to both of you, and I uh, hope we'll get a chance to talk again in the future. Thanks for being yeah. here. Thank you.
That's music from Icelandic pianist Suna Gunlugs from her new album, The Dream. Please check her website, which you'll find in the show notes at thejazzsession.com, for tour information. She's on tour for uh, the next week or so in the U.S., and it's a, a great opportunity to see Suna. And she's also in some interesting areas uh, that often don't get hit by jazzers, so uh, please check out her website and go out and support that music. I'm Jason Crane. This is the Jazz Session, presented by All About Jazz, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free in iTunes and at thejazzsession.com, where you'll also find links to purchase the music you hear on the show and a donate button in case you'd like to give a little back. Thanks to the members of the Respect Sextet, for recording the theme music to this program. They're online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Vrabel, who designed the Jazz Sessions logo. Thanks so much for listening. Please do come back next time. Right now, go out and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and, and then come back for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.